Okay. We were at the point of looking at... We did that, we did that, we did that. Ended up looking at the um, lateral rotators. Considered the... Uh, get to it here. Those six lateral rotators that we looked at, obturator externus, we looked at before. Uh, piriformis, obturator internus, two gemelli, superior one and the inferior one, and the quadratus femoris gave us the six lateral rotators. Obturator externus was innervated by the obturator nerve coming off the lumbar plexus. Piriformis was uh, innervated by its own separate nerve coming off of the sacral plexus. We picked it up here. We've got that one. Uh, the quadratus femoris by its own nerve would also do the inferior gemellus. And the, where am I here? Obturator internus muscle would have its own separate nerve supply coming off of the sacral plexus and it would do then the superior gemellus coming across that way. So we took a look at that. And we got that far, kind of looking at the design of the uh, lateral rotators of the hip. They're all going to be deep to the gluteal muscles. That's, all right. And we talked about that, and we looked at that, and we looked at that. And that's another schematic looking at the same thing, looking at the sacral plexus and the branches coming off of it. All right, so now, the next step. Taking a look at some of the nerves that are going to come through there. Uh, the major nerve that's coming through the greater sciatic will be the uh, greater sciatic foramen will be the sciatic nerve coming out below the level of the piriformis. But we are going to get off of the sacral plexus a superior gluteal nerve, which as mentioned before is going to come out the greater sciatic above the level of the piriformis. So that's why it's re referred to as the greater, uh, the superior rather. And it's going to then supply the gluteus medius, the gluteus minimus, and the tensor fascia lata would be supplied by the superior gluteal nerve. And then we have coming out below the level of the piriformis, the inferior gluteal. And we said the inferior gluteal nerve would supply the gluteus maximus muscle. So it's coming out inferior to the piriformis muscle coming out that way. So we looked a little bit at that. Sciatic nerve itself, you see from this picture, made up of two parts. Made up of a tibial part and a common peroneal part. And the tibial and common peroneal part will get down to the back of the knee. When it gets to the back of the knee, uh, then the two parts split. They go their own separate ways behind the knee. There's a looking at the sciatic nerve going behind the knee now. And when it splits, it, it will, the sciatic will divide into its two parts. It'll divide into a tibial, which is going to travel down the middle of the back of the leg. And it's going to then branch off laterally to give you a common fibula or common peroneal, which goes around the head of the fibula. And we'll track that as it goes down the, the um, front of the leg in that, in that fashion. So that would be then the division of the sciatic splitting into behind the knee, splitting into the, its two parts, the tibial and the common peroneal or common fibular traveling down that way. We did look at the nerve for the, the quadratus, nerve for individual nerve for the quadratus femoris. And it, we mentioned before it would supply then the inferior gemellus muscle. It had its own separate nerve coming off that way. The other one in here is the pudendal nerve. We really don't need to worry too much about it. But once again, it's one of those things where we take a picture of the area and the nerve happens to be there, so we have to mention it. The pudendal nerve here we will take a look at in a second. I think there is also the, the uh, posterior femoral cutaneous is also mentioned in the notes, right? Posterior femoral cutaneous? 
Mm, yeah. Once again, that's going to tell you where, where we are. We're on the backside of the, of the leg region, cutaneous or sensory nerve. Will be a branch coming off of, the, off that sacral plexus. The pudendal nerve is one, as I mentioned, that we don't really need to worry too much about, but we have to think, talk about it a little bit because when we take a picture of the area, that pudendal nerve happens to be there. You can pick up the pudendal nerve on this one. Here's the pudendal nerve coming out below the level of piriformis. It's a nerve that comes out the greater sciatic, and it hooks around the uh, sacral uh, spinous ligament and goes back into the, the pelvic region by going through the lesser sciatic. So it comes out and then it goes back in. And it's a nerve that uh, is, is going to be responsible. There's, there's a look at the same thing. There's the pudendal nerve coming off. You see it comes out the greater sciatic, hooks around the sacral spinous ligament, and then comes back in the pelvic region. And it's a nerve for, it's a nerve for that area. Here's another look at the same thing. And you give you an idea male, uh, on the male side what that nerve is going to take care of. It's coming out the greater, hooks around the sacral spinous, comes back in. And then what happens with the pudendal nerve is that it will split off here and give you uh, uh, fibers here that will uh, be the... Uh, what am I looking for? It'll be the, the motor fibers that will allow for the contraction of the external anal sphincter will be these ones. I think. And then the, the other branch, one other branch coming off this way will be the perineal. And the other branch in the male coming off this way would be the dorsal nerve of the penis. The female, that would be the dorsal nerve of the clitoris. And then once again, you notice that we're looking at the external genitalia in this region here as a components off that pudendal. And we're not going here at all, so we don't re it, you're not responsible for it. But what you need to know is if we're in this region here, then from about here to here is what you need to understand. That it's going to come out the greater and then go back in the lesser by hooking around that sacral spinous ligament. And on that one picture that uh, is on uh, page 57, uh, that's, a t that's a look at, remember I had you draw the, the, um, the um, or label the, the three black lines on that picture? Well, one of those would be the pudendal nerve coming out and hooking around and going back in. And that's about as far as you need to know it. Okay. Another look at the same thing in the male reproductive system. We have it coming out and then hooking around and going back in. And then you'll notice how it has a considerable responsibility. You have a branch coming here that will go and supply the external anal sphincter as a uh, voluntary muscle that we have. And then a lot of it then will help to supply portions of the external genitalia. This, I've only had the male picture. I didn't, get a, uh, I didn't put a female picture up. But gives you an idea of approximately where that, where that um, nerve ends up. All right. Then uh, on the artery side, we go back and take a look once again. If we start at the, up at the top, we've got the uh, abdominal aorta was going to split about the level of the fourth lumbar vertebrae into right and left common iliacs. Common iliac would then split into external and internal at about the junction of, they say, at about the junction of the, um, the uh, lumbar vertebrae with the sacrum would be approximately where the split would occur between the external, where the common splits in external and internal. External we took underneath the inguinal ligament became the femoral. Femoral was traveling in the femoral triangle, gave off the deep femoral. Here's our deep femoral here coming around here. We looked at that. Deep femoral was going to give off a lateral and medial circumplexes. The la lateral circumflex would come across this way under the sartorius, under the rectus femoris coming across that way. The medial one would hook around towards the back, going around the back of the neck of the femur. We mentioned that. 
form between the pectineus muscle and the iliopsoas muscle as it wraps around on the backside. And we will look at the medial circumflex when we get a look at the hip joint itself, when we come back and take a look at the hip. And then we looked at the deep femoral coming this way, going back behind the adductor longus, and this picture gives us one of the three or four perforating branches of the deep femoral, which will go through the openings in the attachment of the adductor magnus, and then help supply the back part of the, of the leg with, um, of the thigh rather, with um, arterial blood. So we've, take, we've taken a, a look at that as we went through. This is kind of a, this is kind of a review of what we Then if you look at the other division off of the common, it would be the internal. And here's the internal one coming here. Uh, uh, some of what the internal is going to do is supply arterial blood to the uh, organs that are at the, in the pelvic region, some of the reproductive organs, and it will pick up their arterial blood through branches coming off the internal. But we need to look at a couple of them coming off. Here's another look at the same thing. Here's my common coming this way, external going under, and I drew in the inguinal ligament myself over here. And then on the other side of that, it would be, there would be the femoral. And we're looking at the internal coming this way. The internal will give off an obturator. Here's the obturator artery coming this way. The obturator artery will follow that same pathway as the obturator nerve. It's going to go through the obturator foramen. There'll be an opening here for it to go through. And the obturator artery will help to supply the muscles on the medial side of the thigh, same way as the obturator nerve went down. But if you take a look at the other branches that we're interested in on the internal iliac, we're going to split it and have a superior gluteal and an inferior gluteal. The superior gluteal will follow the same route as the superior gluteal artery. It's going to follow the same direction as the artery took. Now it's going to come out above the level of the piriformis. Should have an artery here somewhere. Missed my artery. Ah, going the wrong way, I guess. Okay. Got to be an artery picture here somewhere. There we go. That's it. There, it's coming out with the superior gluteal nerve. The artery will then help to supply the muscles up here gluteus medius, gluteus minimus muscles, and gluteus maximus will pick up their arterial supply through the superior gluteal. Then we're also going to have one that will come off below the level of piriformis, follow the inferior gluteal nerve, same idea. And once again, we'll have arterial blood supply down here for the area below the level of the piriformis. So we get a superior gluteal artery and an, and, uh, an inferior gluteal. And those two things are going to run in parallel with the nerves, the superior gluteal nerve and the inferior gluteal nerve. They run together. The other thing we're going to get off of from the um, the other thing we're going to get off of the internal will be a pudendal artery, an internal pudendal artery. And once again, we don't need to do much with it because it's going to follow the same design and pathway that the nerve took. So, and in in saying that, what it, it will do, it it will come out the greater sciatic. It'll hook around that um, sacrospinous sacrospinous ligament come back in and be an arterial blood supply for the area in the floor of the pelvic region, help to supply some of the internal reproductive organs in that, in that area. And as I mentioned, that's about as far as we need to take it. Um, but here, here's a look at it after it's come back in into the pelvic region. Uh, I included a couple of other pictures just to give you a 
same kind of idea. Here it is here, comes out the greater, hooks around the, the, the ligament, comes in the lesser, and you can see its distribution. And once again, we don't need to worry about this because we're, we're not going to go there in this class. Leave that alone. Same idea here. We have, we have the, the common external, internal. Internal gave you a superior and an inferior and a pudendal. Here's the pudendal coming around this way. That's all you can see in the pudendal in this branch here. It comes around like that. That's about as far as we need to take it to. And also the same kind of pictures that we looked at before. All right. So we had a superior gluteal artery and inferior gluteal artery. We did that, and we did the internal pudendal artery. And as I mentioned, it's an artery that's going to help to supply the external genitalia. Think structures in the floor of the pelvic region will pick up their arterial supply that way. We've looked at the femoral, circum the medial circumflex, and we also looked at the lateral circumflex coming off the, the deep femoral, and we've also then also looked at the perforating arteries coming off of the deep femoral as they go through the various small openings in the attachment of the adductor magnus. Okay. On the back of the thigh region, we're going to end up with a hamstring muscle group back here. All of them are going to pick up their attachment from the initial tuberosity, so we have a fairly common attachment for the hamstrings. We have a semitendinosus and semimembranosus coming down on the medial side, and a double-headed muscle coming down on the lateral side. Long head of the biceps femoris will come from the ischial tuberosity region. Short head will come from the back shaft of the, of the femur. The short and the long head of the biceps will then merge together. They'll come down over on the lateral side and attach onto the head of the, the, of the fibula, coming down this way. Over on the medial side, we've got the semitendinosus and semimembranosus. Semitendinosus is going to come down and attach onto the medial uh, portion of the tibia, and the attachment of the semitendinosus is going to be exact exactly at the same spot as the attachment for the sartorius and the gracilis. Those three things come together and attach down here in a fairly common spot. And, and they give it that term, pens enseritis, is the terminology used in order to describe the three attachments down here. It's supposed to be, as I mentioned before, supposed to be like the three toes of a goose or something. That's how the name comes out. Anyway, we get, now the semimembranosus, is going to take a more fleshy attachment onto the, onto the tibia. And in fact, when we take a look at the knee joint and look at the capsule and the ligaments around, we'll end up with a, uh, lig uh, an extension upwards and laterally of the membranosus muscle on the back of the knee. But we'll talk about that when we look at the knee joint itself. All th three of these will be innervated through branches or twigs coming off the sciatic nerve. The large nerve coming out comes out in about maybe halfway between the uh, greater trochanter and the ischial tuberosity. Midway between that and cracks down the back of the, of the thigh and it's going to give nerve innervation for this, the three hamstring muscles, tendinosus, membranosus on the, on the medial side, biceps femoris on the lateral side. The membranosus, tendinosus, and long head of the biceps cross behind the hip joint so they'll give you hip extending. And all of the muscles then, both the medial ones and the lateral one, cross behind the knee joint they'll give you knee flexing. It's a classic biarticulate muscle group where you get extension of the hip and flexion of the knee. And all innervated through the bundles or branches, twigs coming off the sciatic nerve as the sciatic nerve travels down. Okay. 
then what we're looking at here is the back of the knee joint. The uh, popliteal space, popliteal fossa, back here. Boundaries to it will be membranosus and tendinosus over here on the medial side, biceps femoris over on the lateral side, and then the two heads of the gastrocnemius down here, the medial head and the lateral head. So that gives you somewhat of a triangular or diamond-shaped space behind the knee, popliteal fossa, popliteal space back here. All right, and that, now the first muscle then we need to look at because we've defined the space will be the gastrocnemius. Most superficial muscle on the back of the leg has two heads to it, a medial head and a lateral head coming from just above the medial condyle and lateral condyles of the femur. Two heads are gonna to merge together to give you one muscle. I have a pop, I should have a gastrocnemius here somewhere. That's my gastrocnemius from the medial and lateral just above the medial lateral condyles of the femur, merge together to give you one muscle belly, fairly distinct long tendon that will come down and attach onto the calcaneus bone. Will be innervated through branches or twigs coming off the, off of the, uh, uh, branches off the tibial nerve coming down this way. Does cross behind the knee joint, so it might assist a little bit in flexing the knee, but it's most most of its responsibility will be because it attaches onto the calcaneus. It will be a powerful plantar flexor of the ankle. And that would be then the gastrocnemius. So if we take a look at that popliteal area, there's the gastrocnemius there. And as, you, as I mentioned before, when, we, when we're in this region, When we're in there, you'll take, take a look and see what we've got back there. If you're looking at the artery side of it, here we have the femoral artery. The femoral artery will go through that opening in the adductor magnus, the adductor hiatus. It will then go back behind the knee joint. It becomes then known as the popliteal artery. And the popliteal artery will travel down the back of the, in that popliteal space. This will be the deepest structure that you'll find in the back of the knee, right against the fibrous capsule of the knee joint itself, will be the, the flowing of that popliteal artery back here. Popliteal artery, when it gets to about the bottom edge of this muscle, the popliteus muscle, we haven't done it yet, but we will, uh, this triangular muscle in the back of the knee joint, the popliteus muscle, when, it, when the artery gets to about the bottom edge of it, it will split into its two terminal branches in that spot. It splits into an anterior and posterior tibial arteries. The anterior tibial artery here will go over top of the interosseous membrane between the fibula and the tibia and travel down the front of the, the leg. The posterior tibial artery will travel down this way, accompanying the tibial nerve. The two things will run together as we, come, as we go down the back of the leg. So the split in the popliteal will give you an anterior tibial and a posterior tibial. And the tibial and the popliteal artery back here is the deepest structure found on the back side of that fibrous capsule on, on, in the knee joint. It will be the deepest structure. And you can see then the sciatic nerve will come down and somewhere in this region it's going to split into its two terminal branches. It splits into a tibial nerve and a common peroneal or common fibular nerve. And the common fibular nerve you see coming wrapping around the head of the fibula there becomes pretty superficial. I mean, if you tap the lateral side of your fibula, you might get it to tingle a little bit when you hit that nerve. Um, and also because it's fairly superficial that way, fairly susceptible to some damage uh, if you get banged on the, medial, on the lateral side of, your, of the knee. And this will be this tibial nerve here. So far, we've used it now to supply the gastrocnemius muscle.
Okay, so let's go back and take a look at the popliteal region. Here's another look at the femoral artery coming through. This is an anterior view coming through the opening in the adductor magnus, goes behind the knee, becomes the popliteal. And then once it's behind the knee at about the level of the popliteus muscle, it'll split into its anterior and posterior tibial branches. And you can pick up the anterior tibial branch traveling this way. This is, comes over top of the interosseous membrane and travel, will travel down the front. And the posterior tibial artery will travel down the back along with the tibial nerve. And then we also get some anastomoses or some linkage, linkage around the knee joint. In most joints that we've got, there will be a collateral kind of circulation around the joint so that blood can take an alternate pathway around a joint if the joint uh, happens to, uh, or one of the arteries happens to become occluded or blocked because of the positioning of the, of the joint in itself. So that's an anterior view of it, and you notice that then the, the popliteal artery is then traveling back behind the knee joint there. Another look at the same thing. We're taking the popliteal artery back here. We'll take it to about the bottom edge of the popliteus muscle, which we will get to split it into anterior and posterior. And here's the posterior one going down the back of the leg here. And we'll follow it. It, has, it gives off one branch, but we'll follow it when we get down to the back of the leg. You'll also notice here then the popliteal vein. We're going to bring venous blood back up this way. And the vein, the, the, the deep vein behind the knee joint will be the popliteal vein back here. It will parallel and run with the popliteal artery. It will be a little posterior to it. There's a, there, there'll be three things on the back side of the knee joint in that spot. The deepest of them will be the, the popliteal artery. The middle one will be the popliteal vein. And the most superficial one will be the the tibial nerve. Those are the three things that you've got. So if you're going from outside in, the nerve, the vein, the artery, if you're going from the back forward. And we get a little bit of a look at the popliteal vein here. It's going to parallel the artery. It will then go through that opening in the adductor magnus. And when we bring that around to the front side of the thigh, it'll be then the femoral vein. And the femoral vein we already uh, positioned travels up along with the femoral artery on the medial side of the thigh. Right. So that's another look at the arterial side there. And then once again, we take a look at that one. Here's another blow up of the same thing. There's a few more things to it. Once again, we take the sciatic nerve, we'll split it into its two parts, common peroneal coming around this way, and the tibial portion going underneath the gastrocnemius supplies the gastrocnemius that way. Here's the artery, which is the deepest structure in the back of the popliteal space. And here's our vein, which is the middle structure found there. And then the most superficial structure found there would be the nerve. You go from superficial to deep as you're going from back to front. And here we have then the uh, small saphenous vein that we picked up uh, as a subcutaneous vein. It was going to drain the lateral side of the dorsal network on the back, on the top of your foot. It was going to travel back behind the, la the lateral malleolus, travel up the middle of the back of the, uh, of the leg. It would get about as far as the back of the knee and empty into the deep vein, the popliteal vein. So here's our small saphenous. That's, that's where it would end, somewhere around there in the back of the knee. And we're going to end up with a couple of uh, cutaneous nerves in this region. One's going to be supplied from the common peroneal, and one's going to be supplied from the tibial. They're called sural nerves. 
So if we're looking, here's our common peroneal coming around this way, and it gives off a branch called the sural, which is a cutaneous branch. And here's the sural branch coming off the tibial. And you notice the two of them come together to give you one common sural nerve. So we have a contribution here from the, uh, from the common peroneal, a, a sural contrib contribution. We get a contribution from the tibial, merge them together, and you get the one sural nerve, which is that one there. We're going to follow that all the way down, and we'll use that as a cutaneous nerve on the very lateral portion of your foot and area of your ankle. It's, it's going to be much the same as we, if you remember, we, we took a look at the femoral, the femoral nerve and we said it had a cutaneous component that we weren't going to use until we got down to the medial portion of your ankle, medial portion of your foot, the saphenous nerve. This one is going to be somewhat comparable to what we're going to end up on the foot over on the lateral side of the foot, a cutaneous nerve for the area on the lateral side of your foot and around your, your little toe. But we'll take a look at that when we get down to the level of the foot. That nerve comes from a contribution from the common peroneal and a contribution from the tibial. It gives you this sural, sural nerve here, which is traveling down. And you notice the sural nerve will travel. It's, it's a cutaneous nerve. It's going to go underneath the skin. And you notice it's going to travel with the small saphenous vein. The two of them are going to run. The small saphenous vein is bringing venous blood back up, and the sural nerve is, well, the sural nerve is also carrying cutaneous information back up, too. They're both traveling up in the upward direction and they're both traveling together. Uh, I look at the same thing. A little, bit, a little bit more difficult to pick up the sural nerve off of this one, but you'll notice how the artery and the nerve, the um, posterior tibial artery and the tibial nerve are traveling together down the back of the leg, this region. This tries to give you an idea of the sural nerve, but I think the picture before is a lot better in giving you the idea of where that sural nerve comes from. But it does show you in this picture that we're going to travel down the lateral side here, and we're going to be then a cutaneous nerve for this lateral aspect of the foot. That's what we're going to use it for. Same thing, a little bit bigger. We're going to pick up that sural nerve down here. Try it again, another picture, same thing. Okay. And same thing. Okay. Uh, next step. We take a look at the articulation between the tibia and the fibula. Up at the top, the articulation is a synovial one. It's a little synovial joint where the fibula articulates with a, a very small little uh, facet on the underside of the uh, lateral condyle of the, of the tibia. That's a synovial joint. If we take that joint all the way down to the bottom, the, the, the distal articulation, that's a fibrous connection, syndesmosis type joint. It's not a, a synovial joint. It's a fibrous connection between the tibia and the fibula. Now the lateral side of the tibia is going to have a little a fibular notch, and the fibula will fit tight against that fibular notch. And those two bones are going to be united by a fibrous connection down at the, at the distal end. And of course, there will be an interosseous membrane which will travel between the tibia and the fibula as well. And it's going to serve the same purpose as it did in the forearm. It's going to give us an expanded area for muscle attachment. 
And if we take a look at the bony construction of the foot region, end up with a, a series of tarsal bones. The top tarsal bone is the talus. You notice on the picture, once again, it's going to be colored in white, so that means that it's an articular hyaline cartilage uh, surface, articular cartilage surface. Talus is going to sit on top of the calcaneus bone, so the calcaneus is underneath. The talus then stretches forward and articulates with the navicular bone. This is a, once again, a synovial joint between the talus and the navicular. The calcaneus comes forward and articulates with the cuboid bone. And then in front of the navicular bone, we, we have three cuneiforms, one, two, three, going from medial to lateral, or medial, intermediate, and lateral. Doesn't matter. Either way, it's fine. And then once again, same kind of idea that we had in the hand. We'll end up with five tarsal bones. And with your big toe, we'll end up with two phalange, same as your thumb. And with the other four toes, we end up with three phalange each, a proximal one, a middle one, and a distal one. And each one of those is going to have the same characteristics as we found in the phalanges and um, metacarpals of your hand. Each one will have a base, a body, and a head. Base, body, and head kind of configuration. The joint between the, tal the talus underneath and the two malleoli, the medial one and the lateral one, the medial one from the tibia and the lateral one from the fibula, which creates somewhat of a pocket, and the talus fits into that pocket. That joint is referred to as the talocrural joint. I don't think the term is in the book, so put it in, because it's, it's the proper term for ankle joint. It would be the talocrural joint between the talus and the pocket generated by the two malleoli, the medial and the lateral one. So maybe on the top of the, that page, whatever, 61 is it? Maybe on the top of that, you could put the term talocrural joint. Talo obviously refers to the talus bone, and the term cruel refers to leg. But it is, it is our ankle joint, and that's the joint where we're going to be able to do plantar flexing and dorsiflexing of the ankle. That will occur at that joint, the talocrural joint. And I'll just include one, one other thing. When you take the talus and you put it forward and articulate it with the navicular bone, and you take the calcaneus and you put it forward and articulate with the cuboid bone, you create a joint across those two articulations. It's called the transverse tarsal joint. It's much the same as what we had in the hand. We had a transverse carpal joint between the proximal row and the distal row of carpal bones, where we got movement in the, uh, allowing us for movement in flexing and extending our wrist. At this joint, between the, between the talus and the navicular here, and between the calcaneus and the cuboid here, this joint is referred to as the transverse tarsal joint. And we're going to use that joint when we get to the joints of the, of the foot. Uh, we're going to use that joint to assist us in the movement of inversion and eversion of the ankle. Inversion turning the sole of the foot inward, eversion turning the sole of the foot outward. Part of that movement will occur at this transverse tarsal joint between the talus and navicular, the talonavicular talo portion, and between the calcaneus and the cuboid, put those together and you're, you've got the transverse tarsal joint. And we're going to get some component of inversion, eversion associated with that joint. The other one is, that will uh, be a, play a role in that full range of movement of inversion and eversion 
we'll get to when we look at the joints of the foot, but I can tell you it will be what's known as the subtalar joint. That's the joint where the talus sits on top of the calcaneus. The talus on top of the calcaneus forms the subtalar joint, and the, and the navicular coming forward, the talus and navicular here, and calcaneus and cuboid here, forming the transverse tarsal joint. You put those two together, and that will then allow you the full range of movement of inversion and eversion of the ankle. Plantar flexing and dorsiflexing is going to occur at the talocrural joint between the talus and the two malleoli forming the, little, the pocket for the talus. So there's the, there's the design of the transverse tarsal joint between the talus and, and navicular calcaneus and cuboid. And it becomes a little bit more complicated than that, but we'll, do a, we'll pick up the, 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 the small parts of, it, parts of it when we get down to the, the foot and we're looking at the joints of the, all of the lower extremity. You notice then the subtalar joint is the joint between the talus sitting on top of the calcaneus. But we'll, we'll do more of that when we get down to the joints of the extremities. All right, then just on the top of your foot, just as a, we, and we did this before, but we looked at it before, we have a venous network on the top of the dorsal surface of your foot. And uh, from that venous network over on the medial side will generate the great saphenous vein traveling up in front of the medial malleolus. We had it traveling up the medial side of your leg, had it going maybe about up the, the width of your hand from the medial side of your patella. That's about approximately where you'd find the great saphenous vein at the level of the knee. We had it going all the way up to just before the inguinal ligament. We had it going through a very distinct opening in that uh, fascia lata, that envelope of fascia around the muscles of the thigh. There is, in fact, a very distinct opening that will allow that vein then to empty into the femoral vein. And we picked that up when we were looking at that region, that femoral triangle region. And then from the lateral side of it, we were picking up the small saphenous or lesser saphenous, go behind the, the lateral malleolus, travel up the middle of the back of the leg. We had it going about as far as the back of the knee and then emptying into the popliteal vein, which was the deep vein on the back of the knee that we just looked at. And the small saphenous and the sural nerve that we, we just looked at, they're going to travel together subcutaneously up the back of the leg. Okay. Yeah. That's enough for today.